0: You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenchurch.com. Welcome to church. It is great to see you. How many of you uh, got to see our Twisted the musical? Oh, lots of you. That's fantastic. Now, if you missed it, it's going to be happening this week at our San Marcos campus uh, if you'd like to go and you get to check out that great new campus also, it looks magnificent. But I'm excited to bring the word to you today. I'm, I'm maybe going to do things a little bit different. I'm going to retell a bit of a, a story from the book of Acts. And I want to encourage you today, if you're waning at all in your faith, do yourself a favour and read through the book of Acts. Yeah. It is the book of action. It's the book of faith. It will put faith in you. It will put courage in you. And that's what I did this week. And um, I'm telling you, God spoke to me really, really powerfully through that. And I'm going to share some thoughts of what he told me this week. The title of my message just simply is A Prophetic and Encouraging Word for Our Times. I'm going to bring you a prophetic word. I was trying to come up with all these fancy bits and pieces. Then I'm like, I'm just going to explain it how it needs to be explained. Yeah. It's going to be a prophetic and encouraging word for our times because that's what we need right now. Our our world, this city needs some encouragement. If if you don't leave with anything else today, I want you to leave with this. God loves you. God is with you. God's hand is upon you. Stop praying for God's hand to be on you. It's already there. Sometimes we pray prayers that God can't answer because he's already he's like I'm already doing that. I'm doing that. Ask ask me for something miraculous. My hand is on you. God's hand is on you. God is for you, not against you. He's working on your behalf. He's working in your family, even in the midst of this climate and this atmosphere. God is here and he's moving and he's working. So I'm going to speak to you from the tail end of the book of Acts, and it's a story about the Apostle Paul who had a radical conversion. He was... Just a wild zealot for for the law and for legalism and in fact he was actually uh, someone who killed people, killed Christians and took their lives because of his zealotry for legalism and the law of the day. But then he had this wild conversion. He was literally knocked down on the road to Damascus. The Bible says that scales fell off his eyes. And Jesus spoke to him. Jesus came and he had a revelation of Jesus. And, and Jesus said to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? In other words, dude, what do you think you're doing? Why, me? You want to pick a fire with me? It's not going to end well for you. So right now we've got sectors of our community picking a fight with Awaken Church. But it's not us. They're persecuting. Why are you persecuting me, you idiot? This is a battle you can't win. It wasn't a plea somehow for, oh, why are you persecuting me? Mm." It was like, what, dude? What in the world? Why would you do this? It's not going to go well for you. And then Paul has this incredible conversion, and then he becomes a zealot for Christ. He becomes a Jesus freak. Yep. He, he's just amazing. And so he has this idea: he's going to go to Jerusalem and he's going to convert other Jews. He's like, I'm going to, I'm going to let these people know that. I had a conversion, and they don't have to live this way under this legalism anymore. The Messiah has come, and he's changed my life. And all the people around Paul, all his buddies, all his homies, were saying, Paul, don't do this. They're going to kill you. These these particular people are savage. This is not going to go well for you. But because Paul was a zealot, because he was a zealot for Christ, he was a Jesus freak, he's like, why are you guys weeping? You're breaking my heart with your weeping. Because I'm going to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, even if it kills me if it is the last thing yeah. I ever do, I'm preaching Jesus. Yeah. So he goes to Jerusalem, and then exactly what his friends said happened. He got arrested for preaching Jesus, and he was in, and they sent him to Caesarea, Philippi, and they were going to put him on a ship so he was going to stand trial before Caesar in Rome. Like this and I'm telling you, he was pumped out of his brain at that thought. <laughs> Because he said to live is Christ or to die is gain. He clearly didn't care. He's like, I'm going to go out swinging. He's like, you mean I get an audience with Caesar? <laughs> this was every zealotous preacher's, like, wow. biggest dream. He's, like, formulating the message of a lifetime. God has spoken to him. He's going to stand before Caesar. He, Caesar thinks it's to plead for his life, but he's thinking, I'm going to preach the greatest message he's ever seen and have an altar call, and everybody's going to get saved. So he's pumped. So they put him on this ship, and they're on their way to Rome. They leave from Caesarea Philippi, but then they get blown a little bit off course. There were some contrary winds. And here's where I want to pick up the prophetic part. So just recently, we had an unseasonable windstorm in San Diego. It's it's not normal. In San Diego, you can pretty much plan any event you want to plan knowing that the weather, weather is going to be absolutely perfect. It's one of the blessings we have of living in the golden state. Yes. But this particular night, and many of you will remember it because you may have had your power turned off for three days, was a ferocious wind. I remember looking out the window at nighttime and seeing the trees moving. And it was so odd. <laughs> it's like, what? what is that? <laughs> it's weather. And it started to howl and the the patio furniture started flying all over the backyard and the pot of plants started to fall over and one of them cracked. And I felt the Lord say to me, now this doesn't happen to me often, I'm not getting prophetic words of this nature dropped into my spirit on the daily, just, just so you know this, but I felt the Lord say to me, Leanne, do not be afraid of the contrary winds. For even in the midst of a contrary wind, I can harness that wind to accelerate you in the place of your purpose. And I felt the Lord say that. Do not be afraid. And now we are in the season of contrary winds. But I heard the Lord really strongly want me to pass a message on to you. Do not fear the contrary winds. Do not fear the contrary. God's moving in the midst of it. And in 2020... I feel like this has been a year where we've never been tested so much in our believing. Right, right. And the Bible tells us in Romans 8:28, now all things, somebody say all things. All, all things work together for good for those who love the Lord and are called according to his purposes. Do not fear the contrary winds. So then Paul Paul is sailing, the contrary winds start to churn up, and they're blown off course, and then they're making a decision, what shall we do? And Paul says, listen, if we jump back on that ship... Things are not going to go well for us. Listen to me. I am a man who carries the authority of the word of God. I know what I'm saying. But they didn't listen to him at that point. They jumped back on the ship. And of course, this contrary wind starts to churn up to a level where now they're faced with a ferocious storm, a northeaster, the Bible tells us, with a special name called a Euroclidon. And I'm not sure if I pronounced that properly. But it was literally a storm with a personality. It was it was a demonically infused charge storm. Even the seasoned sailors on the ship, the authorities and the commanders were freaking out. But then Paul stands up in the midst of it and he says, "Listen, guys, we're going to be okay. There will be no loss of life. We're going to lose the ship, but there will be no loss of life." And then through a series of days, the Bible says, "14 days they did not see the stars nor the sun." Can you imagine? They were experiencing their own 2020 in a two-week period. Wow. Completely dark. Everything was falling apart around them. The place was in chaos. But Paul stands up, and he brings a word of faith and encouragement. And exactly what he says comes to pass. The ship ends up, ends up being run aground, and they have a shipwreck, and it breaks apart. And those who could swim swam to shore. The rest of them invented surfing. They grabbed part of the debris. And they surf ashore, and you think, great, it's, it's over. Thank God. Phew. But then the Bible says they land on the island of Malta and they encounter natives. And because God had gone before them, the natives were unusually friendly. And maybe you're in church for the first time today and you're seeing that, in fact, the natives are unusually friendly. <laughs> <laughs> and then they lit a fire, and they were standing by the fire. Here's Paul, he's been like, he's, he's been imprisoned, he's been through a storm, life has been hard, not just a storm, but a storm with a personality. He's had to stand up and be the leader in the midst of the ship and bring the word of faith and encouragement. Then he's just standing by the fire, trying to warm his poor, weary, bedraggled body by a fire as any human should be entitled to do after such an ordeal. And out of all the people standing around that fire, it just so happens that out of the fire leaps a viper, a deadly viper, and attaches itself to Paul's arm. Not the guy next to him who has been tried for murder. Not the guy over here who's been embezzling for his companies and also against... No, Paul, the Apostle Paul. All he's done is he's preached the gospel of Jesus for his whole flippin' life. Yeah. And now he's got a viper hanging off his arm. And then the Bible says he got that viper and he shook it off. Yeah. Yeah. And the natives were looking like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. He must be a murderer. He must be cursed. And they're waiting for him, the Bible tells us in the book of Acts, to swell up and fall down dead. And then they're watching, and Paul's fine. He's having a conversation. He's playing cards with his mates. He's hanging out, living his best life. They're like, what's going on? And then they changed their minds and said, ah, he mustn't be cursed, he must be a god. Which kind of tells me we can't put too much stock in the opinions of men. (laughs) Because in two short chapters, they went from calling him a cursed murderer to a god. And here we are all losing our minds over what a couple of people said about us on social media. Hey, listen, if you're looking for your stability in what man has said, they're going to let you down every time. But that's an aside. So I have three points that I want to share with you today that I believe are going to put courage in you and faith in you during this 2020 season. You got this. You got this because you're walking with God. The first one is this. When the winds are contrary... Remember, somebody say remember, Remember. the word that was spoken. Listen to this, Acts 27, 21 to 25. After they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, men, you should have taken my advice to not sail from Crete. I told you so. Then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. But now I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost, only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and said, do not be afraid. Somebody say, do not be afraid. That's a word for right now. You must stand before Caesar. And God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. During the contrary winds, during the storms with the personality, during the snake bites, do you have faith that it will be just as God has told you it will be? Many of us who belong to this church back in January, we did something called Vision Sunday where we wrote down our vision for the year. Now, we did this all pre COVID, pre all the chaos that has ensued this year. I want to stand like a messenger of the Lord in front of you today, like an angel sent from heaven to tell you let the word that God spoke to you before this happened be the word that sustains you in the midst of the storm. What has God said? About your business. What did you write down on that card when you were inspired by the Spirit of God during our Vision Sunday in 2020? God didn't give you that word to torment you or to mock you. No, in fact, the Bible says the Lord is not mocked. For whatever a person sows, that they shall also reap. And when you sowed in tears, when you wrote down, hoping against hope, in the midst of contrary winds, and you wrote down, I'm believing for this, I'm believing for that, Father, I thank you that your word is spoken. The same word that God spoke before the storm will be the same word that sustained you in the midst of the storm. You got this. So much so that when Paul is in the midst of the worst part of the storm, the Bible says an angel turned up. Look at this. An angel turned up and said to him, in Acts twenty three eleven. the night the Lord appeared to Paul and said, be encouraged, Paul, just as you have been a witness to me here in Jerusalem, you must preach the good news in Rome as well. So now this was his Vision Sunday word. But then the Bible says that the, the angel turned up in the midst of the storm and spoke to him. Again, as a reminder you got this. Let me remind you of the word that I gave you way back when it shall come to pass. And many of you today are facing storms and different battles. I've certainly been there in my life where I've had to draw on the strength of the words that the Lord has spoken to me. When I was a young, young wife, this was back before cell phones were even born. My husband went surfing. He had a day off. He was going to go on a surfing trip. And unlike San Diego, New Zealand, where we lived at the time, is a nation where you can get four seasons in one day. So when Jürgen went surfing, the sun was shining, the birds were singing, there was rainbows in the sky, beautiful weather. Off he went on his one-hour trip down the coast to go for a surf. And he said, I'm going to be home at 4 PM. I'm like, great, excellent. At about 3 o'clock, or maybe 2 o'clock in the afternoon, a ferocious windstorm started to stir up in our city and all along the coast, and it was wild. There was thunder, there was lightning, there was storm warnings, all kinds of things were going on. The rain was pelting. It was like, it was like, rain, like a storm with a personality. And I'm waiting. Four o'clock comes round, no husband. Five o'clock comes round, no husband. This is back before cell phones. Six o'clock comes round, no husband. By this time, I am losing my mind. I'm calling my mother, oh, my gosh. Seven o'clock rolls round, no husband. Eight o'clock? I mean, could the man not pull over and use a (laughs) payphone to let his wife? But in the midst of my much waiting, I remembered a word. I remembered a word spoken a couple of years earlier over a young couple who had just got married, Jürgen and Leanne. You're going to build a, a magnificent ministry for the Lord in rehabilitating young people in this nation. And then I see you bouncing from nation to nation to nation, bringing the word of the Lord, building the kingdom of God. And I remembered that word and straight away I was like, nope, this isn't my destiny. My destiny isn't to be widowed at 19 because my husband was taken out in a storm. Everything. What has God spoken to you? And you know what, eventually my husband came home. And here we are, 28 years later, and was he greeted with a hysterical wife, even though the Lord had given me peace, I still wanted to tear him a new one, just because it felt good. (laughs) You're five hours late, and I thought you were dead. But it's amazing how the word will sustain you in the midst, what has God spoken? Don't forget today what God spoke yesterday. God will always give us a word ahead of time. In fact, Paul said to Timothy, and he could speak with such authority in 1 Timothy 1:18 to 19. Timothy, my son, I am giving you this command in keeping with the prophecies once made about you, so that by recalling them you may fight the battle well. Again, I ask you, what has God said? What has He said about your family? What has he said about your children? What has he said about your business, your finances, your health? What are the promises that God has given you? And you may say today, well, Pastor Leanne, I don't have a word. Oh, yes, you do. You got a Bible full of them prepared beforehand. Well, I had nobody stand up and give me a prophetic word. Oh, yes, you do. Right here. This is a book of prophetic words that you can claim as your own. So when the storms hit, even the storms with the personality, you have a word. I stand before you today as a messenger of the Lord, as an angel of the Lord to remind you of what God has spoken. You're going to make it. Your destiny isn't to drown at the bottom of the sea, to be taken out by the storm or to be taken out by a snake bite. God is going to bring you through. And he goes on, Paul, holding on to faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected, and look at this, and so so have suffered shipwreck with regard to their faith. Don't let 2020 be the year that you threw the word of God out. Grab a hold of it. Grab a hold of it. You need it. It will sustain you. It will be an anchor to your soul. Many of you know the story of my testimony of my son who was caught in addiction for seven years. There were many times when I looked around and I saw the contrary winds. I saw the Eurya the storm with a personality. When I looked at a child who, who who felt hopeless and who was in bondage and who, who was estranged from us and who was estranged from God and everything... I saw with my natural eyes, was threatening to take me out, was was contrary to what I knew the Lord had spoken, but I had a word. I had a word buried deep in my spirit, and it was a word that man didn't give me, and man or circumstances couldn't take it away. I knew what my son's future looked like. God had told me he is going to be the fruition of Psalm 1. He will be like a tree planted by rivers of living water. He will bring forth his fruit in season and everything he does will prosper. You will stand in a harvest of the words you cling to today. You are going to come through. What has God said? Grab a hold of the word of God. Isaiah 48 says, The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord endures forever. The storm will pass. The storm will pass. You're going to get through. Cling to the word of God. Amen. 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 I need to drink after that. Amen. Point number two, the word God gives you will not just keep you. It will keep all those who are with you. This is so powerful. So Paul was on a boat with a bunch of legitimate criminals and a bunch of people who who didn't know the Lord, many of them rejecting God, and yet His Word and His faith kept the people around Him. How wonderful is this? moms, dads, as you lead your family, as you lead your employees, as you lead the people in your keeping, understand the Word of faith, the Word of God on the inside of you has the ability to protect those you love. During this season... We have such a huge responsibility and a privilege to shoot the word of God out like friendly fire into the places that God has given us authority over. I want to encourage you today. I, uh, we, we're hearing all kinds of statistics about the things that are happening in our city and this earth today as it relates to people's mental health and the things they're going through. Can I tell you that we are literally the anti-venom to the venom of the serpent of fear that has been unleashed across the four winds of this planet. We've got people suffering because they're not in church. I mean, how do you do this year without Christ? How do you do this year of 2020 without a church community? We were criticised for opening our doors, being called negligent. I say on the contrary. We would be negligent if we kept our doors shut because there is a city that needs encouragement. There is a city that needs to know that God is with them. God's hand is upon them. God is for them. This storm will pass and God is going to bring them through. The word God gives you will not just keep you. It will keep those around you. We've had so many people say, thank God you opened your doors. We, we feel normal here. People need this infusion of faith, hope, and love. As we look at the world around us in the grip of fear, with a 24-hour news cycle reminding them every day that they should be afraid, they should be very afraid. More than ever, the church doors need to be open. Paul was right in the book of Hebrews when he said, "'Do not neglect the gathering together of the saints.'" Don't stop coming to church, as some have made a habit of doing. Because it's there you're going to find encouragement. You're the smartest people in San Diego right now because you're in a place that God has designed for people to come and be infused with a spirit of faith, to be encouraged. And boy, don't we need it during this time. We are the messengers of God to our city. We have the Word of the Lord. And I want to encourage you as you go about your business, Even in the midst of a masked up, very fearful city, use every opportunity you can to instill and impart faith and love into people. And and don't be afraid. I think we're past, we're totally beyond the point of, oh, I wonder if they'll accept it. Oh, I wonder if they'll reject me. Oh, I wonder if they'll receive this. Who cares? I'm telling you, we are literally in a climate of war, and in a climate of war, God needs warriors. We don't ask to be in a war, but we do have to make a choice to be a warrior. And right now, God is looking for warriors to go about, go about their city, their community, their workplace, and maybe it just means looking someone in the eyes and just pray. can I pray for you? Do you know how many people, even if it comes down to like the Chick-fil-A drive-thru person, and I'll just look at them in the eyes. How are you guys doing? Hanging in there. I'm like, you know what? Everything's gonna be great. You're an amazing person. God bless you. And all of a sudden it's like their countenance lifts. And we take for granted this kind of language because yeah. we're around each other all the time. We're the best cheerleaders in the flipping world. I mean, we've already had, I don't know, like you just walk in here and everybody's pumped on life and high-fiving each other and but the rest of our world isn't used to that kind of climate. You give them just the slightest bit, the slightest bit of refreshing through encouragement. It's like, they bloom like a flower. And before you know it, you'll be like Pastor Jürgen walking into Moistre and they won't let him buy a coffee anymore. Because when he walks in, he lights up the room. No, Pastor, no, Pastor. You're not paying, your money's no good here. You're not buying a coffee here. He has people in our city who don't even go to church aren't even Christians that call him their pastor because he's offering something that the world isn't offering encouragement encouragement the word in you will not just keep you it will keep those around you we got a job to do it offends me greatly when I hear the church is not essential when I hear the government say mm, yeah we can do without that uh, no We are frontline workers. We are frontline workers. We are first responders. Just like we need the hospitals to be open for the physically sick, we need the churches open for the spiritually sick and discouraged. We need our ICU ward, ward for those in despair, those in discouragement, those whose lives are literally hanging by a thread to be able to come and receive an infusion of God's grace, God's faith, and God's great love for them. The church is essential. The church is essential. It's the hospital for the soul. In Acts 27, we see Paul say, Paul urged everyone to eat. You've been so worried that you haven't touched food for two weeks. Please eat something now for your own good, for not a hair on your head's will perish. People are looking for leadership right now. Isn't it amazing? There was commanders and authorities and all kinds of people who were officially in charge, but all of them fell to the wayside when the storm hit. And it was the man with the word of God that stood up and took charge and people started paying attention to. And I'm telling you, it's in times of crisis, we see who the true shepherds are. That's why the church is essential. People need leadership, they need faith. We're gonna make it, we're gonna make it, we're gonna make it. He spoke faith. And the Bible says that all 276 of the people who were on board were encouraged. 276 people, that's a campus. That's a church campus. That was not a small job. He was surrounded by people who were in fear for their life and yet at his word they tossed out everybody else's word that were now following Paul. And then lastly, you can survive the snake bites. So they get through all this, they surf and they swim to shore and they're warming themselves by the fire, warming themselves by the fire. And then a viper jumps out and attaches itself to Paul's arm. And of course we see that the natives are freaking out. Everybody thinks that he's going to drop dead and he doesn't. And I want to encourage you today. Maybe you've been through the storm Maybe you've been through the shipwreck, and now you've found that even in a place where you should be able to warm yourself, like a church community, a viper has jumped out of the fire and fastened itself to your arm. In the place where you should find warmth, in the place where you should find healing, maybe it's been a family situation, maybe it's a mother, a father, a pastor, a leader, a friend, and they've said something that has wounded you deeply, And I don't want to discount what you've been through. This was a deadly snake. They all thought he was going to die. And some of you have experienced lethal wounds. But I am here to tell you today, you can survive the snake bite. A couple of months ago, I preached a message on overcoming the spirit of offense. And I felt it was a prophetic word. And I had some great feedback. But then I had a couple of people say, well, Pastor Leanne, that was a very indulgent message. Of course, the church is going to preach on, you know, not being offended and then go ahead and offend everybody and then just tell people not to be offended. Oh, good one, nice little plan, perfect crime. And, and to be honest with you, I can see why some people would think that. But can I tell you that when I preach a message like that, it's not some kind of plot to fool you all into staying in environments that may be offensive. You know what it is? It's the story of my life. It's the story of my life. How, how can I stand before you? A pastor of almost 30 years who, in my heart, I know I hold no grudges or bitterness or unforgiveness toward anyone. How can I do that? It's because I've shaken the creature off. An assignment sent from the enemy. Hey, if we don't take him out with the storm, If we don't take him out with the superstorm, if we don't take him out with the shipwreck, I'll get him with the viper. Hey, I'm here today to tell you not only will you survive the snake bites, you will survive the sheep bites, which may be just even a little more painful. Hey, it's an easy thing to disregard the hate you get from strangers on Instagram. Blocked. But it's a lot harder to do it when it's someone in a place where you should be experiencing warmth. I remember as a young pastor having to make a call that no pastor ever wants to make in regards to a situation in our church with with a woman who was in her 30s. And I remember laboring over that decision. It wasn't a decision that came lightly to actually have to ask her to leave because of some things that had gone down. It's not something we do often, but one of our jobs as shepherds is to guard against the wolves. And uh, I remember thinking it's done. It was hard. Those moments for pastors are difficult moments, ones that we never look forward to. A couple of days later, I looked in my email inbox and I had a email from this woman's mother who just so happened to be a Christian counsellor. And it was the most scathing email I've ever received in 30 years of pastoring. How dare you call yourself a? You're a false. T- the way you treated mine. and then proceeded at the end to curse me. Your f- pride comes before a fall. I see you're gonna have a great, like this, almost like this demonic prophecy. And you know how some things, you know, like you can just go, oh, whatever was one of those things that was a sticky word it was a viper clinging to my arm with poison I could feel the poison cursing coursing through my veins and I had to make an intentional decision (laughs) no devil I survived the storm. I survived the shipwreck. I am not being taken out by the snake because I have a word from God, a destiny that is yet to be fulfilled. I can't allow this poison, of course, through me. I make a decision to shake it off today. You know, we have a specific day set aside in our church calendar every January called Shredder Sunday. And I know that maybe some of you today have faced moments like that where you've had a snake bite and sadly a lot i've seen a lot of christians who've survived storms of absolute massive proportions to only be taken out by the snake bite when they get to shore and i'm here to bring you a message you don't have to die by snake bite you can shake that off not just disregard it but intentionally god i refuse i know that word that behavior that assignment was meant to take me out was sent to take me out but i refuse to let that poison course through my veins and i wrote out that email i had deleted the email but honestly because of the severity of the word i knew every word off by heart and i wrote that out that email that this woman had sent me And on Shredder Sunday, I put it into the shredding machine and I made an intentional decision to shake that creature off. And I believe that this year, this year, you need to hear the word from the Lord, even though the assignment may have been that the enemy sent a viper to take you out. It will not be the end of you. You are going to shake that creature off. And you know what Paul did next? The Bible said he went to the home of a man named Publius. I mean, it's a very unfortunate name. I'm so sorry. The Bible. Not only did he have a terrible name, but he was also sick. And Paul, after... The fact that he should have been dead by snake bite ends up at this guy's home, prays for him, he gets healed and then all the the natives on the island of Malta that are sick turn up and they get healed too. So instead of being taken out by a snake bite, he became a healer. I am prophesying over you today, not only will you not be taken out by the snake bites and the sheep bites, you're going to have healing hands. And you're going to bring healing to others who have been disenfranchised, discouraged, disappointed, let down, betrayed, who have literally been affected with the assignment of the enemy, and you're going to bring healing to them. But it's our choice. Will you make a decision today to shake off that creature, shake off that demonic attack, throw it back into the fire from which it came, and be a healer instead of a herder in Jesus' mighty name. In Acts 24 16, Paul said, I myself always strive to have a conscience without offense toward God and man. Now that's a 2020 word. Paul experienced his own 2020. There was an arrest, there was a storm, there was a superstorm, there was a shipwreck, and there was a snake bite. But he knew, because he had a word from God, that his destiny was not to be taken out by any of those things. And I guess the next and final question to ask was, did Paul in fact get to stand in front of Caesar and plead his case? Well, the Bible isn't completely clear. It's kind of like one of those M. Night Shyamalan movies that kind of has a bit of a plot twist at the end. Here's all we see about Paul's interaction. In Philippians 4.22, it says this. This is Paul speaking to the church in Philippi. All God's people here send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. I'm here to remind you today, God is not a man that he should lie. If he speaks, he will fulfill everything he promised. What's the word that God has given you? What did he give you about your life, your future, your business, your family, your relationships, your children? Maybe you don't have one today. It doesn't matter. These words work even retroactively. You can get a word after for before that you can stand in today. So I'm like an angel of the Lord reminding you today, what did God say? What did God say? What has God said? And what is he saying? Grab a hold of the word and don't put it down because it is literally your lifeboat that will get you through the storm, the mega storm, and the shipwreck and the snake bite. In Jesus' name, somebody give God a huge round of applause. Thank him for all he's done and all he's doing. Receive the word of the Lord. Receive faith, hope, and love today. You do not need to fear the contrary winds because even the contrary winds God can harness in order to propel and accelerate you into the land of your destiny. Now, Paul ended up on Malta. Do you know? want to hear a fun fact about Malta? The name Malta... Malta literally means place of refuge. I want to encourage you today that when you walk with the Lord, no matter what the climate, no matter how contrary the winds, you will always end up in a place of refuge when you walk with Him. I want you to lift your hands to the Lord. I'm going to speak a psalm over you to encourage you today. Psalm 46. God is our refuge and our strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the most high dwells. God is with them. They will not fall. God will help them at the break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms will fall. He lifts his voice and the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted above the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Somebody give God a huge shout of praise. A shout of praise. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Lift your hands, Lord. Father, I thank you right now for our incredible church. Father, I thank you right now that even though we may be going through the storms of life, you are going to bring us through. Father, I pray right now that you bring back to remembrance every word spoken, that you would send your ministering angels to remind them, to stir up faith on the inside of them. God, to give them courage, to give them encouragement. Father God, right now for their families and everyone that is with them, Father, that they would be anointed, Lord God, to be the carrier of a word to this city and to all those in their keeping. Father, that God is with us. God's hand is upon us. The Lord is God of 2020. And no weapon formed against His people will prosper. In Jesus' mighty name, somebody shout amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awaken Church, go to awakenchurch.com.